1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and special guest, Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings, one of the top up-and-coming draft content providers out there. Tyler, really happy to have you on. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you guys for for having me on. I'm excited to talk some some NBA drafts and Brooklyn Nets basketball. And uh, thank you for giving me a little bit of a breather. I got to (laughs) catch my breath with draft season, a little bit like space. So I'm excited to jump back in it.
3: Jack, yeah, it's like doing? my first day. It's like my first day of college, Nick, where I just like, I'm, I'm so excited to learn new things. Like, I feel like I know stuff about Clowney, Whitehead, Wilson, and all of our other young prospects. But now it's just like, I'm going to like the, the famed lecturer of NBA draft <laughs> Twitter. I can't wait for this shit, man.
1: We got the professor on right now. We're going to jump into that. But a quick reminder you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button, drop a review. But, Jack, where do you want to start?
3: Look, I'm I'm in love with Derek Whitehead, Nick. I think you probably know that. Tyler might know that as well. I want to just ask your general thoughts because I was watching a, a couple of your other guys uh, in the No Ceilings uh, crew, and they seemed a little bit lower on him, and they sort of maybe more pessimistic when they were, you know, analyzing generally what he'd done at Duke, comparing it to Montverde, and then his jump part. I'm like, I I've, maybe I'm too high on this guy. I guess, Tyler, you can be sort of the middle ground. What are your general thoughts on Tariq Whitehead when you take into account what he did at Duke and the insane three-point shooting, and then what he did in high school where he was coming into as one of the top prospects before heading to Duke? Where do you stand with him like now? What is the middle ground? What, How do you take all of those things into account, and, and how do you analyze him as a prospect heading into his first season? You know, I think this is the
2: pick for the Nets that, you know, Nets fans should get the most excited about because of the preseason expectations. You know, a lot of us at No Ceilings had him as a top five prospect coming into the year. Um, the, the thing with Dariq, and, and it's always fascinating to have your big boards and stuff before the draft. And, you know, we've talked about kind of doing an exercise of almost redoing a big board after with fits and where players went. And I think Derek ended up in like a dream scenario with the Nets. Now, like, obviously they need to be patient. Um, you got to let him get healthy, get some confidence back, because he had one of the most interesting years at Duke when it comes to just evaluating prospects. Like, it was almost the opposite of the player you saw in high school. In high school, he was this super athletic, defensive-minded Wing that needed to kind of develop an outside shot goes to Duke. He has a couple injuries. His outside shot took an enormous step forward. The athleticism just never came back. So, I that makes me believe he was kind of almost 60% the whole year, if you want to put it that way. So, I think him landing with Brooklyn is perfect because you know, he had that second surgery to clean it up, but. The funny part about that is, I don't know if you guys know, it was the Nets surgeon that performed it. So obviously they have some good intel on that. And I think Dariq has a lot of versatility, but he's just one of those guys that just had a rough year. I mean, we get fascinated with all these one and done prospects, but not all of them have just immediate success. So Dariq, I think is going to end up with the Nets organization. That's going to be patient. They're not going to try to win the championship next year, but they're looking long-term like if they can be patient, almost, I don't want to say redshirt him for a year, but let him just kind of get his feet underneath him, get healthy. You might look down the road and be like, "Woof, we absolutely stole him in the draft," and I think he just ended up with a great spot.
1: Yeah, and that team doctor you mentioned, you know, performed surgery on Karis Levert. Similar situation when he was drafted. Obviously, Karis hasn't really you know, turned into the player. A lot of people thought he could be has kind of had some bad luck performed surgery on uh Kevin Durant, I believe also Brooke Lopez back in the day. So good success, you know, fixing those type of injuries. And hopefully, like you said, could be a major steal for the Nets, I guess, kind of looking at his projection for the NBA, you know, what would you say is like the ceiling in the floor? You know, obviously that's a question you get a lot and it's hard to Predict what's going to happen in the future, but just
3: based Nick, off no ceilings. I'm joking. I'm joking. I had to get that out.
1: I'm the one with the dad jokes, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> but I love dad um, jokes. Bring them all on. So I love that. But what are you thinking, like in terms of you know best case scenario, worst case scenario?
2: I mean, if he's healthy, I, he's got the potential to be one of the top players in this class. Um, now, obviously, it's it's a big if yep. because we just saw the year he had. He had multiple injuries. Um, you know, even Dariq in the middle of the year, got interviewed after a game and he's just like, everything's moving so fast. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to catch up. So that also tells you like, these guys are teenagers. They're, yeah. they're trying to get to the best possible place they can. And sometimes their heads spinning. it. And I think yeah. Dariq just needs a team that'd be like, Hey, you're here. You're here for the long haul. Let's take it step-by-step step, baby steps. Let's not rush this. Um, he's going to a team where, you know, obviously Michael Bridges looks like he's going to be the guy. Yep. And I don't think Derek's going to be in a position where it's like, okay, you're rookie. We need you to produce right away. They're going to wait, get them comfortable, install some confidence piece by piece. And, you know, maybe this is a guy that second half of the year really starts to come on in his own. Maybe he's playing extended minutes. Maybe it's the thing where, you know, they're smart with getting him some confidence, maybe G League run. I know everyone moans when you hear that, but I think it's an unbelievable developmental source and maybe this is a guy that you're just okay he's ready to go like full off season and, and healthy and I think he has great upside because mm. I really every scout I've talked to um, me evaluating him at Duke that wasn't the player I saw in high school which is exciting because the outside shot he ended up shooting 40 percent from three which you were like oh gosh if he did that and he was healthy he would have been a top five pick mm. so I feel like Derek, is going to be fine I feel like he's going to take his time be patient and there's so much talent now obviously if the health doesn't ever come around the explosiveness doesn't come around maybe he's still this versatile wing that can stretch the floor and be kind of a catch and shoot weapon Um, but I think you know he's going to get that health back he's going to get that explosiveness and when he does that's going to be a really fun player
1: yeah. There's already some predictions that he might not come back until after all-star break. You know, they might really take the slow approach and, you know, let him go, like you mentioned, go to the G league and let him get healthy, really get confident in his body. And like you mentioned, I don't think the nets are really going to be super aggressive for really either of these guys to contribute this season. You know, it's more of long-term picks. These are guys that have high upside and you're taking a big swing at 21 and 22.
2: Absolutely. I mean, It's funny because I think every all all fans, myself included, like we, we want these rookies to have immediate success. We always are like, come in and help us right away. But sometimes the smart teams are the ones that are like, let's look three years down the road. Like what type of player could this develop into? Where could he be then? And if they're smart and these guys just have patience, like even Noah Clowney, I, I think he's a bit more raw than people thought, but I thought it was a fantastic pick for the Nets because he can develop into something really, Mm -hmm. really nice for this organization. These guys just need time. They need experience. They need reps, whether it's in the G league or maybe in the rotation early on. But I think you're thinking long-term approach and some teams look really, really smart if they can be patient. Yep. Um, Other teams don't have that luxury and they, you know, might need some job security. So they need to make a little playoff push or the owner's pushing it. But, If a team can take developmental pieces like this with such high potential and stress patience, just let it all happen, you can look down the road and be very, very smart. And that's where GMs get extensions because of drafts like this.
3: Yeah, two of the youngest guys in the class as well. So it's sort of like if you go that patient approach, you can reap the rewards. I wanted to ask you, Tyler, the injury obviously had many ramifications for Whitehead himself. Could it have been a blessing in disguise? Because it showed his ability to sort of maybe play more in a system and as a role player? And I know Nick spoke about floor and sort of ceiling. Like his floor is like, I don't know, what is it? Harrison Barnes or whatever. We can do NBA comps later. But he showed obviously he had so much upside and talent in high school and the explosiveness and the athleticism. Could it have been, could there be some silver linings to the injury in terms of how it diversified his game somewhat?
2: Absolutely. I, I think it's we might look back and be like this was a blessing for Dariq because he didn't have that explosiveness. So he couldn't really live off of the dribble and use his first step and his burst to create. So he all of a sudden had to become this outside shooting specialist, if you want to put it that way. And he took such a big step forward and, and it was really eye-opening. So it was like kind of you're weighing the high school athletic, you know, specimen. To all of a sudden now, it's like, oh, whoa, he can really shoot it from outside. And it's like, there's an exciting world where both of those talents meet. And if that happens, there's going to be a heck of a talent at the next level. I I just really think we've seen this a lot in drafts lately. Like Jaden McDaniels was a preseason top five pick. Everyone thought he was going to be this cinch top five specimen had a nightmare season at Washington goes to the end of the first round of the Minnesota Timberwolves. That looks like it's going to turn out pretty yeah. well. So sometimes just y- you could have a bad year, but it doesn't tell the whole story and you could end up in a better spot than if he came in and was a top six pick. He might've been like, okay, you need to produce right away. Now three could kind of regroup. And I think the nets are going to have a great plan in place and they're not going to rush him because if they do, it's going to be, it could be, you know, a nightmare just because his head's all over the place. But if they're patient, that's where his confidence is going to come back. And that's when he's going to start looking like the player of old.
1: Yeah. And they're notorious for being really conservative when it comes to injuries, you know, holding guys back and making sure they're 100%. Obviously, we know the whole situation with Ben Simmons. We're not going to talk about that for now. Um, But (laughs) Tyler, what would you say is his most NBA ready skill? And what skill does he need to improve the most to be ready for the NBA?
2: It's tough because it's just trying to figure out what skill is going to be able to, you know, know what type of player you're going to get early on. Are you going to get him even at 80%? Um, You know, because before as a high schooler, I was so intrigued with his defense because he just had this desire to smother opponents. And um, I was so excited to see him at Duke because I was like, I think there's potential for him to be a really scary defensive talent but then that lateral quickness just never was there because mm-hmm. of his lower body injuries. So I think early on, if he gets healthy, he's probably going to go back to lean in on that. And in a weird way, he might be like, this is awesome. I feel great again. Like I can move so much faster. And he had a couple flashes during last year where I was like, there it is. It's mm-hmm. itching the rise to the surface again, but it wasn't consistent. Um, the three point shooting is probably going to be what he leans on early because that's, Probably, what he's got the most confidence in. Um, and it's it just it's taken a real serious step. like,
3: are you super confident with the mechanics and stuff, Tyler? Because I was watching your colleague sort of break down uh, on your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. like the mechanics of his shot in comparison and the consistency of it. Because, and I sort of watched it a lot. I know you probably watch a lot more tape, but when it goes in, the fluidity of it is just smooth as hell. Like you see him cock that, or you see his lower body be like really sort of smooth. Uh, do you think that like what we saw at Duke, the, the 40 plus percent shooting do you think the consistency will remain when he's in an nba rotation g league etc yeah i i think
2: it's a good point you bring that up because high school that was the biggest question ever like we were just like mechanics i don't know like and then it got so much better from his junior year in high school to the senior year so it's trending in the right direction and I, i i'm one of those people like yes i can be really picky about mechanics but sooner or later, if you're shooting over 40%, I don't want to mess with it too much. Yeah. Like Tyrese Halliburton was one of these, like everyone would rip his shot apart because he had a catapult. And it's like, he's shooting over 40%. He's doing something right. So I think the the biggest thing with three shot is now it's consistent. It looks the same each time he's shooting it. And I, I'm buying that it's going in the right direction. And, and that's why I think he will lean early on the outside shot because he's worked on it Um, he had to, to get minutes at Duke and it got to a point where they had to keep playing him because he was a consistent outside threat for them. So I think he'll lean on that early.
1: Yeah. And probably two of the easiest skills to get you on NBA floor, knock down threes and play defense. You know, if he can get his defense and feel confident in his body, that's really easy to get minutes, even for a rookie or a young player, because that's just going to be what the coach wants. Everyone wants spacing and everyone wants defense. So, you know, if that works out, that's going to be really exciting. And that kind of sets his floor as like a three and D role player at worst, you know, and maybe he doesn't have the full athleticism and he's more of an effort defender, but still, you know, a lot of guys could use that in the NBA right now. If you had to give, you know, some NBA comps for him, you know, I like what, uh, Kevin O'Connor does, uh, you know, with the, the shades of a player. So would there be, you know, some shades that you see from NBA players in Derek Whitehead's game? And I know it's really hard given the injury stuff.
2: Yeah, it's tough. I'm also like at no ceilings, I'm the worst one with NBA comps. So
3: I'm trying to think of- Do you some want me to names. give you some talk? Because yeah, I was doing could, so yes. much research and you can tell me how off. Often- whack some people are whether it's in the youtube comments whether it's wherever but like, and including some of your colleagues as well so there was a these are the list i have harrison barnes aj griffin bradley bill cam reddish alec burks jay Crowder, better shooting lance stevenson shorter mpj and josh richardson now there's a lot <laughs> of players there a lot of a different crazy range <laughs> and there's a lot of different players there and i think it's hard i think it might be the most futile exercise doing those sort of NBA comments. But I think for novices like Nick and I, we sometimes look to that maybe a little bit too much. And maybe you put, you know, a ceiling on a bloke, you know, pardon the pun by just going, oh, no, nah, this guy's just going to be like shorter MPJ. But the shades of thing, I think is a good way to sort of put it. What sort of shades of those guys or other guys that I might not have mentioned could be in a a Derek Whitehead?
2: I like the Harrison Barnes one a lot right now. I I think when he gets healthy, he could be still a Harrison Barnes-like, but he could have a little bit more burst and wiggle. Mm. But I think right now that's probably my favorite one. Um, It's tough because I'm always like when people throw out names like Bradley Beal and stuff like that, I'm like, Whoa, that's a big name. Like, okay, let's calm down a little bit. I'm trying to let them overachieve my pro comp. But I, I think, Harrison's a good one. And and everyone might be like, oh, like, Harrison Barnes has played a very long time and been very successful in this league. So early on, I would say for sure, Harrison Barnes is a, a good one for Dariq.
1: Yeah. 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 He's won a championship. He played a long time. He was kind of a a key score on the Mavericks for a little bit. And the Kings have used him as a good role player. Like, like you said, having a long NBA career is an achievement and he's, he's done things well. Obviously a lot of people think of, you know, the series they lost to the Cavs in the finals where he couldn't knock down a three. And that kind of gives you a a negative thought when you think of Harrison Barnes, but overall his career has been a success.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. The sort of final question, sorry, Tyler, that I sort of had was, on his handle, this is one thing that I sort of hear people talk about, watch his tape a little bit, and whether you call it loose, not tight enough, not as you know, Jalen Brown, as he was sort of heading into the league, Jalen Brown has improved that, but I think Dariq probably could. Is that one minor skill, that could maybe elevate him from being a Harrison Barnes to a guy that maybe can create a little bit more because of that, because I think it prevented him a little bit watching the tape and watching you guys analyze his tape as well from getting to the rim at will and using that athleticism and having the confidence and the whole game all around. His handle is something that I'm just intrigued about, you know, as a Nets fan and just an an NBA fan in general. He definitely shows
2: that he's still got a little bit of wiggle, but I think at high school, there was way more. And I'm trying to get too specific, but this year, like when I was watching him, I was like, he almost is short striding some stuff off the dribble because that first step isn't there Mm. that it used to be. So it's almost like, okay, he's taking four steps instead of two normally. And I think that's just there was a lack of trust probably with his lower body and he just wasn't a hundred rhythms all
1: thrown out of balance.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I'm like, just get to healthy. And Mm -hmm. then you're going to see something completely different because there was some wiggle, there was some ability to create some separation. He showcased flashes of it this year, but I was like, that is not the same one. Like it was like, Oh, that's impressive. But I know you can make that look even nastier when you're healthy. So I think he's got some handles. Um, it's one thing I've always talked to like assistant coaches and I'm like, you know, is it overblown with the shooting concerns and the handles coming into the league and guys are like, I'm more confident in those areas developing because now they're not going to school. They're coming to yeah. the gym every day. They're getting shots up. They're working on their handles. So I think derek's going to be fine in that aspect. It's just getting healthy. Like it, yeah. and I hate to keep, you know, saying it over and over again, but, It has all the tools. It, It has all the tools. It's just getting healthy for him.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: This is more of like a general NBA question. Mm -hmm. Do you think developing ball handling is probably one of the most attainable skills for an NBA player in terms of like if you don't have a handle, like more so for guards and wings that you could develop it by just putting like an excessive amount of work in? You know, obviously if you're terrible, you're terrible, but if you're like okay and then you can become, you know, good at it rather than like some other skills where you just don't have, you know, that God given talent.
2: I I absolutely I think. I was in the same mindset. I was like is it as hard to develop these areas as some might think? And they're like no. Like coaches are like no. I I believe that their shots going to improve. Mm-hmm. Now obviously like they're not going to come from college and be a 28% shooter and all of a sudden be like, Oh, they're shooting 45% right away. Yeah. It's like, it's going to take some time, but
3: except for Noah Clowney, you're <laughs> except for Noah Clowney. the moment I said
2: 28%, I was like, this is. I Noah literally Clowney. have that written down in yeah. my notes. I'm like, oh, you can't say 28 is going to be, no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but I mean, um, you know, Jalen Brown is probably the best case study now. Like he, his heist or his college film at Cal was brutal when it came to dribbling. Like everyone's, bashing on him for the playoffs and stuff but it was like a cal it was way way worse so the fact that he's already taken this strides with his handles throughout his career i think it's just something that like each year it's going to improve mm-hmm. but now you're not going to come in in one off season all of a sudden and be like oh gosh he's alan iverson with the ball on yeah. his hands. i think it's just you can keep getting better each year and it's the same with shooting
1: yeah I, I agree. I think I just was curious to hear, you know, kind of a different perspective. And obviously you you watch guys from when they're young to kind of develop in the league. And it's always been something that I felt like is attainable rather than even like, I think shooting to an extent can be harder because if you don't have touch, like you don't have right, touch, right. like that's just kind of how it is. Like, and, and if you suffer kind of a, sh- you know, look, just talking about Nick Claxton, you know, suffered a shoulder injury his rookie season. And his touch has never really looked the same in terms of his jump shot. It just hasn't been very fluid. Free throw shooting hasn't been great. And his three-point shot has been pretty non-existent. But, Jack, any other questions for Tyler about Whitehead?
3: Nah, those are all the minds that they were handled pretty well there. I think that the interesting thing is we can sort of say, and maybe go into Noah Clowney from this, do you expect either of these guys, or who do you think the Nets will look to bring into the rotation quicker? Obviously, Noah Clowney doesn't have the injury concerns that Doric Whitehead does, but he certainly needs to develop in, in a lot of other areas in terms of being a, a ready-made rotation player at the sort of 4-5 position. So that's where you know the patience for big men is a different sort of level of patience for like a recovering guard slash wing. So do you see like any similarities in terms of the, the level of patience that Nets will probably need to have with Clanny as well as Whitehead?
2: I I think Clowney's got the shot to maybe get some early minutes just because he's a smart player. um, And, and in the rotation, I would imagine, you know, like it, it was kind of what happened with Nick Claxton. Like it took a while, but all of a sudden the light switch just came on and it was like, Oh, okay. Nick's one of the best defensive, defensive bigs in the league now. And I think with Clowney, like maybe they could bring him in off the bench sort of, let him get a little bit of confidence with his run, you know. The the classic, okay, he made a good play. Now take him out, have his confidence surging, but he's just a, a smart player that really could do some damage on the defensive side of the ball, especially as a shot blocker. So maybe they could see, like, okay, he's their backup big that we maybe extend the minutes throughout the year. Um, I definitely think he's the the candidate to potentially get some early minutes. I know like you guys said, I think we're all on page. Like they're probably going to be very smart with the reek. They're probably going to be over smart with the reek and being like, okay, you're healthy. Let's wait another month. Like they're going to look at that as potentially a lottery pick. Yeah. And um, you know, Jalen Wilson's probably a wild card. The, their second round pick, I, I think wouldn't shock me if Jalen all of a sudden is looking much better than his draft position, just because um, he, he's kind of one of those versatile pieces that I, I was shocked. A lot of people at no ceilings, a lot of my colleagues weren't higher on him. And I was like, I'm a little shocked, like average 20 a game in in college. Like, so I think there's a world in which Jalen with less of a load offensively could be more efficient. It's just, we're going to have to wait and see, but they're they're having a great class. And I, I do think Noah's probably the name though, that could earn some early minutes.
1: Yeah. And I think for the big position, you know, even if he's the third big, you know, what happens, you know, Nick Claxton sprains an ankle, he's out a week, you know, and then it's Daron Sharp and Noah Clowney, like you kind of have to play where a wing or a guard gets injured. Okay. We'll just kind of play three guards. We'll play three wings. Like it doesn't really matter where we can kind of adapt a little bit differently, where if you need a big, you need a big, you know, or someone gets ejected or five fouls, like whatever it is, you just might get called onto the floor. And obviously we know the nets aren't super deep in that spot, especially as of right now, obviously free agency hasn't started, but wouldn't be super surprised if, you know, they have four bigs going to next season and Noah Clowney's, you know, one of those guys and maybe he doesn't, you know, get a ton of minutes, but I also could see him spending a lot of time in the G league, you know, showing maybe some flashes. They bring him up a little bit and, you know, maybe he has some just pop, you know, he brings some excitement to the team with just like the length and athleticism that he does have.
2: They're in a great spot to have a team where they can be like, okay, we're going to play some of these young guys. We're going to let them get some experience and and some run. And I think that's why the G League could be an unbelievable asset for not only Brooklyn, but a lot of teams this year where it's like, okay, let's go get them some confidence. Let's They go drop 18 and 10 in the G League, come back, feeling good. And like you said, like next man up. And they are in a position where they could afford to be like, okay, let's get Noah Clowney some run whether it's playing alongside sharp or, or Nick Claxton, but he's got that versatility too, where he can play kind of a a four or a five step out. And I think he's going to shoot the outside shot a lot better this year. So I like his game. I think it's just one of those, like it's going to be ups and downs and kind of take the positives and know that there's going to be some growing pains, but Noah Clowney could turn out to be an unbelievable addition for this organization.
1: Yeah, I would love to send him to the G League, let him just like throw up a ton of threes and just yes. like let, let, let's let see what he can do, you know? Because like, I think offensively, that's a skill for him that can really make him impactful on that end because he has defensive tools. And you know, I'm not sure if he'll ever be like a Claxton level defender, but he has some similarities. Right. He kind of feels a little bit stiffer to me, like a little bit less fluid than Clax. Clax is, Clax is just like, very unique in the way that he moves for a big sometimes just watching him even though I've watched him for four seasons I'm just like damn like you move better than some of the guards and wings on this roster like it's incredible but Clowney also has a little bit more physicality where clacks at times I think will kind of not you know keep away from that he's gotten better as he's developed but you can see him kind of you know not want the contact he it took him like three seasons to really learn how to set a screen
2: right right and it that's the thing I think about Noah is like his body could fill out, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's hitting the outside shot. It's and a little like, bigger a frame than really nice I think. Yes, yes. So, you know, with time and and living in the weight room, and yeah, um, all of a sudden everything starts coming together. I, I he's just going to be one of those nice pieces that's like high IQ, good defender, probably a smart player that doesn't yeah. make a lot of mistakes on the court. That I think could develop into like, okay, this is a really good connecting piece. And I don't yeah. mean that in a negative. I'm just saying this is one of those pieces where you're like, man, got, Nets has got Noah Clowney. He's a nice ad. Like he's a nice piece on that team. So um, I like the, the vision they have. I, I think they're just saying we're attacking value and almost Brooklyn got two guys in the first round that if they went back to college, they might've been both lottery picks yeah. probably. So you're almost getting that pre-draft and kind of, okay, redshirt a guy technically yeah. for a year. And then all of a sudden year two, we might just be like, okay, let's let them run wild. And they got two good pieces there.
1: And they have the age too, which helps, you know what I mean? Being like, you know, if you're 22 and you still need to develop a lot, that kind of hurts a touch. But, you know, both guys, I don't think at this point in time have turned 19 yet, which is kind of insane. So it's just like, you know, it's really exciting to see. And, you know, you talked about Clowney connecting. You know, I I saw some, you know, scouting reports talking about maybe there's something there as a passer, you know, not like guard level passing, but just, you know, being able to make the right reads. I think also like I watched his game. hmm, What game did I watch? I think it was against Missouri. And there was just like some times where I just felt like he just needed more reps. You know, there was just a a, a second too late on defense, but the effort and the react, he made the right read. It was just like a half a second too late, but sometimes he was able to make up for it with the effort and the length, you know, just because of his size. So he's a really interesting prospect.
2: Reps is definitely the word I would use for Clowney. He's just the guy, like he just needed him to play as much as possible. And that's why I I would, like you said, Nick, I would be like, throw him in the G league. He needs to just play like a week straight, just let him shoot everything, let him get as much minutes as he can, because I think there's a ton of talent. Um, I just thought like he was so raw. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's going to need an organization to let him get a ton of reps and experience ended up with Brooklyn. And I was like, okay, I get it now. That's a good piece where you can really be patient, but he just needs time to play. He just needs time to figure some stuff out because he is a little like one dimensional offensively, like yeah. or it's the outside shot or he's kind of crashing the boards, but I think with time and, and, and work, and it seems like he's a great kid, like, yeah, from everything I've heard. And um, I think the, the high work ethic, like, I'm sure everything's going to start falling into place. It's just, they got two really young pieces, like two of the youngest prospects in this class. So that's why you're gonna be like, okay, let's be patient, let them develop. And a couple of years down the road, you might be like, oof, what a class that was.
3: Yeah, two questions I sort of had, Tyler. I guess the first one we can sort of attack. As a just traditional sort of big man, you know, f- finished over 67% of his shots at the rim. You know, slipped a lot of his screens in a way that I'm like, that is like young Klax in, in a in a heartbeat. What does the, it, and obviously he's a really good rebounder, which is something I think he has over Klax in terms of just the general skill set. Can you talk to us about like his traditional sort of big man skills—the rebounding, the box out, the the pick and roll offense and defense?
2: The the defense is really special. Like he's going to be a very talented rim protector. Um, I I think he was kind of one of those like pick and pop bigs that is very intriguing and exciting but it was like, okay, he's, he's leaning on that. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes with bigs, you're like, okay, don't get, you know, addicted to being around the three point line. Sometimes you got to go use your height and get in. So I think he's just, you know, Noah's got to figure out like the in-between game and that's going to come with time, but finishing around the basket, he he can rebound. It's just like, okay, now you got to figure out a little bit of the mid range game. Can you do some stuff like, I watch him and it's a very lofty upside ceiling, but I I'm like, could this kind of be like almost an Al Horford mindset of where like you could get that piece of like, okay, Al can sur- survive out there as a five man with his floor spacing and his basketball IQ, but you can also play him alongside someone like Nick Claxton where it's like, okay, they have that versatility. So he's got a long way to go to get to yeah. that point. Cause Al Horford out of Florida was a fantastic prospect, but I think there's a route in which Noah could have that same sort of vibes. Like we're saying, like vibes of Al Horford, where it's smart player, good defender could step out and hit the outside shot and also do some damage around the basket. But I think he just needs the work. Like you just need post reps. He needs to go into the G league and spend a whole game being like, okay, I'm going to try to score in the post, like all game. And um, I I think there's just a raw foundation that has the chance to really blossom, but it's just going to need some time.
1: Yeah, when I watched the game of him, I noticed some like good plays in him, like recognizing offensively, like, oh, I have a guard on me. Let me try to seal him inside and get an easy layup. It's just kind of right. building on some of those things. It wasn't consistent enough where offensively sometimes it kind of looked like he didn't know what to do you know where he was like unsure of you know should I just stay in the corner and shoot threes or should I get involved inside it looked like there could be some potential with the dribble handoff stuff too Klax has really taken strides with that this year and I think you know if he can develop like you said that in between and be able to take like that one dribble and go into a push shot or some type of move that would be really impactful and allow him to just you know have more you know, overall use on offense rather than just kind of being a a stretching big.
2: And it's just like you said, it's just reps. Like he just needs to figure that out because I do think there was times, like you said it perfectly, Nick, like you watched on tape and he's like, Oh, he has no idea what to do, which is fine because he's playing with Brandon. Yeah. He's playing with Brandon Miller, who's putting up almost 20 a game. So like, I think they had a lot of times where it was like, okay, let's let Brandon go to work. But I think Noah just needs reps to kind of figure out like, Oh, I, I can take this off the dribble off this fake dribble handoff and attack yeah. the basket. And um, it, that stuff's all going to come. He just needs reps to to figure it out. And I think that the foundation is there. It just is a lack of experience. And I know he played for Alabama, played good minutes, but it's, you need to kind of see what you have offensively more. Like he needs time to be like, okay, let's force feed Noah and see what he can do yeah. see what he can
3: learn. I was just going to ask probably the question that everyone wants to know. The three ball, Tyler. How real is it? Because I think looking at it, when you just go by the eye test, I'm like, man, that looks nice. But then obviously 28.3% doesn't necessarily scream vo- volume three-point shooter, Karl-Anthony Towns change in the game. <laughs> but at the same time, you alluded to like Al Horford, where it's just like, I can hit it a little bit. I've heard Wendell Carter Jr. sort of comparisons in that sort of realm too as well. As just an overall prospect, but the the three ball how real is it do you think
2: yeah i i think it's i hate to keep being like a a repeater but i think it's one of those things it's just like he needs to shoot a ton of them because it it looks promising like he's got good form it it looks like it could develop into something that's like oh no 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 a clown i could shoot mid 30s from from downtown but what's like a lot of these young guys is like their body needs to fill out they need Mm. to work on their strength and um at points it was like oh gosh like this looks like a legit weapon and I think it it, after a while we were all like okay he's shooting around 25 percent. how legit of a weapon is this and then you keep seeing it like how consistent it is he's got a good foundation with his shot I think it's going to develop and if he gets to a point where he's in the mid-30s you're gonna be like whoa that is a serious weapon to have on this roster I'm buying it I'm buying that the shot will come around but like you guys hinted at earlier, like these are two, him and Derek Whitehead, two of the youngest guys in this class. So I'm one of those of like, I understand how old he is. And now he's trying to go shoot NBA threes. So his head's going to be spinning. So I'm like, let's give a couple of years so that shot can really come around. But you know, you're talking two years down the road. Absolutely. I think that'll be a, a part of his game where you're running sets and clownies popping out to the three point line. And it's, it's a weapon.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch every game he played this season, but the game I did watch, he looked confident. You know, it just looked like he was comfortable out there shooting the three. And obviously that was a game he shot well. I think he shot 50% in that game from deep. So it's like you you hope that carries over. And like you said, just like the reps, like three-point shooting is just something like, he's going to have a ton of time in the gym this summer, a ton of time over the next couple of years to really just put in repetition and see how good of a three-point shooter he can be. And with his size, if he can really develop, as we talked about some of that in-between game and like finishing at the rim, now all of a sudden, when he's setting a screen, the defender has to think like, is he going to pop out? Is he going to roll to the rim? And now that just creates another element of stress for the, uh, for the defense.
2: And another guy where, if he can come in and start hitting that outside shot, yeah. it's like that will get him minutes yeah. early, especially with like, okay, Noah projects to be raw, but probably his best skills right now are going to be like his defensive ability his his potential to switch and, and be a versatile defender and then shooting the outside shot. So if all yeah. of a sudden he starts shooting it well from outside, you know, Brooklyn's going to be like, we got to play him. Like, cause yeah. he's this interesting wrinkle in our lineup. And I feel like you said it before, Nick, like those are two areas that could get you minutes early, no matter how old you are is like, if you could play defense and shoot it from outside, regardless of position, like they're going to find some time for you. So Noah, those are probably two areas of his game. He's going to feel the most confident about. And um, we'll see if it clicks right away, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if right now he's like, okay, I need to work on my outside shot because this could get me on the floor early.
1: Yeah, and that allows them to potentially play with another big, especially a guy like Claxton who's so versatile defensively where you know maybe Clowney isn't as switchable as first year because he's still getting a feel for NBA defense and everything, and he can just kind of use his size and length inside. But now all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's a, something the Nets haven't been able to do for literally what feels like a decade.
2: Absolutely. And it's just one of those guys, again, like the versatile piece where – I feel like Nick had such a big year when it comes to like, okay now Nick Claxton is a a well-known name, a well-respected defender. Now try to surround him. Like, obviously, Michael Bridges is going to be the guy. But now get someone with Nick Claxton that could kind of have some force inside. And I think Noah Clowney could be an awesome running mate. Like, I think the two of them could could work very well together
1: especially because he's active on the boards and that's kind of been a knock on Nick Claxton is, you know, kind of skinny, not necessarily, doesn't necessarily love to box out where Clowney. I watched him box out a ton, even if he's not getting the rebound, he likes to put bodies on people, at least in the game I watch. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how these skills translate over. And if he's able to be impactful in the NBA, even on a very small level in his rookie season, or if it's just very G league oriented.
2: And the thing with Noah is, you know, despite how raw he was he almost averaged 10 and 10 like he yeah. he's averaged about 10 and 8 so even with how raw he was, yeah. was like you're flirting with a double double as a freshman so i i think he's going to get to that point where he really do have some some versatility for him to be putting up good numbers and putting him alongside Nick Claxton you could all of a sudden be like okay now we got some some length some size some some rebounding ability from both. And that's going to make life easier for Nick Claxton because as much as I love Nick, like he is skinny, he's, yeah. he's a thin body, big with versatility. So it's like, you kind of pick your poison with him, but Noah could be a really nice addition alongside him where he could live inside. He could be the rebounding force for them. Cause he, I mean, we expected it, but we saw it in the playoffs with a lot of teams where like they need size inside yeah. and, Obviously, going up against someone like Joel, Joel Embiid is going to make yeah. you realize your rebounding is not as good as you think. So I, I think Brooklyn did a good job of adding someone like Noah Clowney to their mix.
3: Tyler, well, we haven't actually had a chance to speak about uh, Wilson, uh, Jalen Wilson mm-hmm. at this point yet. Yeah, we, we just got the reaction put out about our, our two first-rounders. Just talk to us about how he was at college, how he is as a prospect, and and what he could be as an NBA player. So he was, he was a
2: name that was kind of making some noise um, before this last previous season, but I I thought he was more of like a second round guy. And then Ochai Baji went to the NBA and Kansas kind of needed a guy to step up and be the offensive force because they're not usually someone that's going to be like, okay, here's an incoming freshman, like Grady Dick, you get all the touches. And um, Jalen Wilson, like went to Bill Self and was like, I want to be Ochai this year. I want to be the guy. Like, I want to step up and play that role. And he definitely did it. Like, he was their guy. He averaged 20 points per game. Um, He was a force around the boards. Like, he filled up the box score on a number of nights. But he was just force-fed. Like, so many shots. Um, Some games, they were just like, okay, you need to give up the rock. Um, But, like, they also just had a team where – they had a lot of versatile defenders that were kind of nasty, but they didn't have a lot of guys that could carry the load offensively. Like mm-hmm. Grady Dick would do his own, but Kevin McCuller was kind of known as like a connecting defensive piece. Um, and, and then all of a sudden you just needed someone to really step up. And I feel like Jalen Wilson did that, but because he was carrying such a load, his percentages don't look that great because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, from the field, he's around 43%. He's 33% from three. I think he could be a, a player that really could turn some serious value from a second-round pick from where he got drafted. It's just the team is going to have to be comfortable with him trying to find out his position. Like, are you going to play him kind of more of a forward? Um, I, I think so. He's kind of bigger bodied. He just kind of had a, a rough process. Like, I thought he was going to be a name that – could go to the combine and play well in the scrimmages and he didn't really stand out. So I was like, okay, that could happen with a lot of these guys. Like those are tough settings where it's like, yeah, you're playing with a bunch of new guys, go play your best basketball in front of scouts. Some guys just don't have it. That's the couple games. And I, I'm going to be interested with him because going from Kansas where it was just like Jalen carry us to now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're not going to be the guy. So just make an impact in a number of different ways. Like, he can step out and hit the outside shot. He can hit a mid-range shot. He can get his own. And I think there's some some competitiveness to him. It might be something that it, he starts in the G League, and then all of a sudden it's like, Jalen Wilson's too good for the G League. We need to get him up on the roster. But um, he's definitely one of the names I'm interested to see because it wouldn't shock me if it's like, oh, Brooklyn wants him on the roster. But it also wouldn't shock me if, if he needs a little time in the G League to, to kind of figure it out.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting when guys get an opportunity to just kind of be the guy and they don't necessarily project to be that guy in the nba sometimes it can work out really well where it's like okay now i developed all these skills and i can be an awesome role player and then other times it's like now i have to go back to adjust to having such a, a smaller sample size or less opportunities to touch the ball and shoot the ball so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he develops and everything and like you mentioned you know some people have talked about like oh maybe he'll get the most minutes out of any nets rookie you know maybe that's something that could happen i'm not really sure He i do out of the three guys we've talked about today, you know, he's the one I know the, the least about. So I'm really interested to just kind of watch him play in summer league and, you know, him and Clowney, because obviously Whitehead's not going to play kind of see what those guys look like when they hit the floor.
2: He He's definitely the name. I'm so excited to to see at summer league because it, it wouldn't shock me if Jalen Wilson comes out and puts up 18 his first game, yeah. just because he's, he's now kind of wired to be like, I can get my bucket anywhere. Um, it's just, can he do it at an efficient level when all of a sudden he's playing with the stars and it's like, Jalen, you're not the guy right now, but I think there's a world in which all of a sudden he could become this efficient rotation piece in which you're like, Whoa, we, we found something that, you know, maybe three years down the road, all of a sudden it's like Jalen Wilson's part of our rotation in the playoffs because we just know what we can get. Some games he might put up eight and five, but other games he might have 15 points off the bench. Um, he just has to get more efficient. It it was his year before last season. It was kind of like, this is intriguing, but I need more. Mm -hmm. And then this year it was force fed and you're like, he put up good numbers, but I need more efficient. So it's Mm -hmm. like, can he, can he balance both of those worlds? And I I just am really fascinated because I do believe if some team has a a right fit for him. We know the draft's always about fit, but I feel like Jalen Wilson could figure it out and and be a rotation piece.
1: Yeah. And the new CBA, you know, nailing second round picks is going to be huge. Like you want to find as much value as you can. And if you can nail one of these late, late second round picks, like you feel really good about your cap moving forward, especially if you do end up taking you know a big swing for a superstar.
2: The, the new cba is going to make things so interesting people are going to be like what why are we playing this guy and it's like well, you got to find these guys now yeah. like we've seen with teams like denver where you find value in guys like you can really make some some smart yeah. moves and i i just feel like Jalen wilson has that potential to be one of these names where it's like you're going to try to figure out if he can stick and it would not shock me but I like what Brooklyn did. I think you go the whole draft hall. Like they took two projects, if you want to put it that way, with just really high potential and youthful. And then you got a guy later on that has shown like an upperclassman. I I'm a sucker for the upperclassman Mm. because I think they've shown they could get better. They could Mm. adjust to whatever the team needed and they're going to know like kind of no nonsense. I got to go to work right away. So I think Jalen Wilson just with a team like Brooklyn you might be shocked. He might stick and they might be like, hey, we're going to give Jalen an opportunity to to earn this spot on this roster.
3: Yeah, I think the most intriguing thing out of like this sort of statistical deep dive I did with him was that he shot over 40% on catch and shoot threes. And that's something where it's just like, well, he showed he can do that. And you alluded to the fact that I sort of made the comparison point hearing you talk about Derek Whitehead showing he can be a role player in college, whereas Jalen Wilson showed he can be a lead sort of guy and he just so he had like a, maybe a greater offensive arsenal than a lot a lot of people could have projected so you sort of put those two things together those two players to get him find that sort of middle ground and hopefully both of those guys can for, for nets fan's sake
2: absolutely i i think that's the biggest point is you watch his game and he has a plenty of games where he puts up some box scores you're like my goodness jalen wilson okay like have a night and then you watch the tape and you're like, okay, he took some tough shots. Like mm-hmm. he, he kind of forced a little bit, but they needed someone to do that. Like, I just think if he could almost calm down and be like, let me just be smart and efficient, then you might be like, okay, we have a really nice piece where he could be like, okay, let me become more of a three and D guy. Like he would need to be a more consistent shooter from outside. But I think there's a world in which that could, could happen. It might not be as a rookie, but he might show enough flashes where it's like, okay, this is not just a late second round pick. This is potentially something that we could groom into a seventh or eighth guy in our rotation.
1: Yeah. And that would be a major hit, you know, a solid role player at this point would be awesome. Jack, uh, any other questions for Tyler in regards to this draft class before we just ask him about a couple young guys in the Nets roster?
3: No, I'm just like hearing everything that sort of Tyler's saying about Jalen Wilson and all the other guys makes me intrigued about their positions and how these guys could contribute and then hearing you Nick speak about the CBA and stuff and you think about Denver and Miami and how those guys have found people in the fringes and I sort of think about Jalen Wilson and I make the immediate comparison point to Kessler Edwards and how like man I wish like Kessler would have a suck around because I think he could have sort of been that sort of Gabe Vincity, those sort of guys, Max Rusi sort of guy that the Nets could have had. They already did sign him to that four-year sort of deal. And maybe now Jalen Wilson can turn into that because I think he has more offensive skill. But mm-hmm. I think defensively, he's going to need some improvement because I don't think he is as fluid or as naturally athletic, which I think could maybe hamper him somewhat defensively. But yeah, that, that's we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Some leagues going to be really fun to watch.
1: And another important note for the Nets is they heavily invested in player development coaches this offseason. Like they're pretty much their entire staff almost has a background in player development, which is huge when you take swings like this in the draft. But Tyler, obviously all Nets fans love Cam Thomas. You know, there's a small portion that do hate him and his game and they're not a big fan. But on the buzz, we love Cam Thomas and obviously three straight 40 point games for any young player is kind of amazing. You know, what were your thoughts on Cam Thomas when he came out of LSU and kind of what you've seen from him in the NBA?
2: I mean, coming out of LSU, he was what he's shown at the NBA, he's a bucket. Like he yeah. is a walking bucket. Um that guy can get hot and completely take over a game like we saw this year, which seeing his little run this year, it was so awesome. Just be like, okay, Cam Thomas is doing what he can do best. I I still believe in Cam. I, I think it's just getting to a point where he needs to develop a little bit more versatility instead of just being like an offensive microwave guy yeah where it's like cam okay if your shot's not falling how else can you help out and yep. um i know like i had all the stuff with steve nash i'm not gonna go too deep into that but like maybe it's just like this could be the year maybe where everything's on the same page with the staff or, or whatever but i think cam probably just got frustrated from a lack of minutes and yeah um this is probably a huge year for him because like if he could really show some consistency that's a nice piece to have I I really do believe in him. I I think that is just such a tough th- like prospect. Like that's tough a tough skill mm-hmm. to have. Is just this ability to be like oh, I saw a shot going, I'm red hot now. Like he <laughs> just gets NBA jam mode and um I, and just like extreme skill
1: too for someone that young like the his bag is super deep like yes you rarely see guys that young come in and have the amount of moves that he has you know if, especially like the footwork in the mid-range and even like some of his strength is pretty good for a young guard like you look at cam thomas and he's got a little stockiness to him you know he doesn't necessarily get always pushed off his spots where you can't say that about a ton of other young you know guard prospects if you were looking at him where do you kind of see his, you know, ceiling and floor? Obviously he's not a rookie, but we've seen a little bit of him in the NBA. Has anything changed for you and where you think he can get to or where he could fall to?
2: It's, with a guy like him, it just comes down to like, okay, it's tough to say, but it's like, what's going on behind the scenes? Like, yeah. does, the, does the organization love him? Is he a hard worker? Is everything checking the box? Then absolutely. I, I buy like him becoming a solid piece. Like He's kind of almost on that Lou Williams trajectory mm-hmm. of like just could be a guy that every team wants because it's instant offense off your six bench. Six man now, of the year type. Yeah, six man of the year, and I know Cam's probably not wanting to hear that because he's probably <laughs> like, I want to start. But yeah, uh, it's yeah. just Lou Williams played a very long time in this league, so I, I'm i excited to see Cam. A lot of guys on the on the Nets roster this year. I just think it's a big off for a lot of guys like Cam Thomas because. Was he in his third year off the top of my head? Is this his third year? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of executives I've always talked to, they're always like you you wait three years and then you reevaluate a prospect or a player. And, you know, with Cam entering that, it's like, okay, you need that one more step to, to get to that point of potentially getting your extension and getting more minutes. And I'm, I'm still believing because the skill he has is an elite NBA skill. It's just, can he, put the rest of the pieces together to get more minutes to be on the floor
3: longer.
1: Yeah. Get the yeah, other the skills I, to be passable.
3: Yeah. And look, Nick and I are big killer cam fans. And I think at the end of the day is, is Brooklyn the right situation, yeah. right situation for him? Because Noah Clowney, Jalen Wilson, we've spoken about how I like, get yeah, great fit. We'll develop them behind the scenes, give them the patience. Whereas I don't think cam, whether it's been under Steve Nash and maybe to an extent as well, Jacques Fawn in terms of what he's said about cam as well i don't know whether brooklyn is the right situation for him and i'd hate to say that because you know there's something about you know the the guy that's drafted to your team and you want to see him do well in an alternate situation where his skill set might be more valuable we could see him flourish because he's an okay playmaker he's a a pretty good three-level scorer like the games where i see him get to the line like he's got craftiness around there i think he and he's three ball like he had a like a relatively efficient season as well when you look at the statistics overall obviously that's because like he's up and sort of down and i think the role in the roster construction didn't do him any sort of favors either like seth curry and patty mills are getting minutes over cam thomas i think nick and i chatted about that every third episode (laughs) of the brooklyn buzz so but yeah in saying that, i think he's an nba guy is it in brooklyn i hope so but i also wouldn't bet my life on it
1: yeah, I think the passing is a great point, Jack, because what we've seen from him is there's flashes of him making really good passes. And then there's other times where he's just clearly locked on the rim and settling for a terrible double contested mid range shot. And sometimes it goes down. So you're like, OK, but other times, you know, he starts the game of four and you're like, Oof, like, you probably should have passed to the open three point shooter in the corner. And that's just those small things that he doesn't do are kind of what make coaches upset. And like you said, I think it's Jacques Vaughn, it was Steve Nash, and maybe there's even a little bit more with like Sean Marks and the whole front office If the, the vibe isn't right. You know, obviously we've mentioned before had really strong ties to Katie and Kyrie Loved those guys and James Harden. Uh, Maybe he felt a certain way about them kind of heading out, you know, even, you know, the comment about Steve Nash and rolling his eyes at summer league uh, last year, you know, that's just, maybe there's some bad blood there. I'm not really sure, but, uh, Tyler, any other thoughts on guys in that roster that you just want to throw out there or somebody you're excited to watch or
2: gosh, I'm excited to watch uh, like this whole roster. Um, I won't go down the Ben Simmons hour, so we'll <laughs> skip that. We need three um, shows for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I really am pumped to see what Cam does this year because I think Jack brought up a good point. Like a lot of guys, it just doesn't happen until you second team. Like a lot yeah. of guys, we we evaluate at no ceilings as prospects, and we'll be like, might be a second team guy, yeah. like everything falls into place with the second team, and maybe Cam, Larry Markkinen sort Larry of Larry Markkinen, sort of, exactly. Yeah. So you see him all the time, and you know Cam would be very enticing to me if I was in a front office of a playoff contender, because I'd be like, oh, we can go get Cam Thomas for probably yeah. pennies on the dollar around the deadline or something, but it's it's always going to come down to intel. I, I think it's it, right as what you guys are saying. It's just like if he can balance the I can score 30 with the, I can also score 15 and have six assists tonight, yeah. then he'll be on the court a lot. Um, I'm just excited for Michael Bridges. Like I, <laughs> I, I I've loved him forever. I loved him as a prospect. I was like, I really wish I could see Bridges be the guy somewhere because I think there's more offense and then – he gets traded to the Sun front of the Suns, and all of a sudden I was like, uh oh, Michael's turned into a bad man on the court. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see Brooklyn this year. I think, you know, obviously they had the history with all the the big names. I think they're gonna be better forward, like moving forward when it comes to like you tried that, didn't work out, build this way, which is smart, which is getting good value, getting developmental pieces to kind of like groom and we'll see where they're at. But I like a lot of pieces on the roster. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I think two things for really interesting for Mikkel Bridges is last year we saw the pull-up three off the dribble, and that's something we Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily see a ton in Phoenix. And then the ability to make passes in the pick and roll. You know, there was times where he flashed really good stuff, and then also he struggled because he wasn't used to seeing two or three defenders. And I think that's going to be something for him to adapt to. Obviously, he's a thin guy, but I wouldn't mind him putting on a little bit more strength because having the ball in your hands, you're getting more physicality. And I think in that series against Philadelphia, you saw him get kind of pushed off of his spots and even like, you know, lesser defenders were able to have an impact against him because of, you know, the lack of strength.
2: It's going to be, that's such a good point because it's going to be, as you're saying that I was like, Oh, this is going to be the most interesting offseason for Mike bridges, because he probably went into this for the first time being like, Oh, I'm probably going to be the guy. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be a connecting piece. I'm going to be the guy, which means everyone's going to be attacking me probably needs to put on some weight and, and dish out punishments. So I just absolutely love him as a player. I loved him coming out of Villanova. Um, another guy, there you go. Your second team. Like he got, he got out of Phoenix. He had great success there, but now all of a sudden looks like a completely different player. And you know, all those rumors were going around the draft about like, Oh, well, Will they get Brooklyn a bite for Michael Bridges? And I was like, why would they trade him? Like, I wouldn't trade Michael Bridges for anything in this draft right now. He, he just looks like he's going to be a star this year.
1: I guess uh, one last question. Um, yeah. Do you think, uh, I don't know how much you've watched him. Do you think Dayron Sharp is an NBA big? Or do you think he'll kind of fall out of the league? Or maybe best case scenario is just kind of like, one of those journeyman backup centers, you know, I, I've never really been super high in skill set. I think he just lacks a little bit of the athleticism. I think the only way that he'd really probably, you know, be able to have an impactful career would be if he develops a three ball.
2: Him coming out of North Carolina, I was like, oh gosh, he's going to take a while. And then I got intrigued because I was like big body, maybe the shot develops maybe he gets a little bit more of a nastiness around the basket as like a, a shot blocker. I don't know. Like this is a big year for him. Like he yeah. really does need it. And um, I feel like I've gotten intrigued and, and, you know, been drinking the Kool-Aid and then I'm like, okay, it doesn't take that step that I want. But another guy too, that I, I just think I'm right there with you. I think he's going to be a backup big and there's nothing wrong with that. Like he could go to a team and they fall in love with him as like, a backup big because he's big body he'll rebound
1: plays it's hard. just
2: tough yeah he plays hard and, and it's just tough with bigs like that because there's always a new crop of them coming in and if you can't develop a skill that keeps you like unique then all of a sudden someone else will do it like it, and it's just tough for for dayron like i'm still believing because i thought he was such a raw prospect and i i think i remember i had him like lower on my board and i was shocked he stayed in i was like oh okay but i think he had a good pre-draft process and people were buying the shot um it's tough because i never want to say like i'm out on a guy because all of a sudden bigs are so weird they could just out of nowhere be like oh okay Dayron's looking great but i would say I'm, i'm probably more on the like okay if it doesn't happen this year it's either going to happen with another team, or you know it, they're just going to have to go another direction. But I, I'm rooting for him. I'm never rooting against anyone. But mm-hmm. um, another guy that I'm I'm excited to see if he maybe takes another step this year.
1: Jack, anything else you got for Tyler? You know, obviously we held him up for a long time.
2: No, no, no you're, that, this is my bread and butter. Are you kidding me? I love this.
3: <laughs> And I love this as well. I feel like I learned a lot. I'm going to be getting high distinctions and A's on all of my college <laughs> papers going forward. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to all the tests.
1: All right. Well, Tyler, really appreciate you hopping on, giving us great information. Nets fans are going to be super happy with all of this. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Tell them about No Ceilings. This is your time to showcase all the great work you guys have done.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I'm at uh, Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter. And um, I'm also at noceilingsnb.com. We've got free content. You ever want to read about the drafts or any incoming prospects? um, It's all free. It's delivered into your inbox, no strings attached. So um, thank you guys for, for having me on. And thanks for everyone. If you are subscribed to No Ceilings, this year it's been awesome to see the support. So we appreciate it. And this was a blast. Good luck to the Nets. And anytime you guys want me to come on, just let me know.
1: I appreciate it, Tyler. And they have great content, articles, podcasts, YouTube stuff. Highly recommend following them on social media. Do a great job of making easy, easily digestible draft content for people like Jack and I who don't necessarily follow college basketball. So give them a follow, check out Tyler. Jack, always a pleasure. And big thanks to everybody for listening.
4: access to a center is easy and affordable interested in experiencing the ee system technology for yourself go to unifiedhealing.com slash blue wire to learn more and find a center near you